Earlier in the show, we were talking about Connor McDavid also piping up on his disappointment. He's not quite as straight for the jugular, jugular like Brad Marchand, but yeah, there's no hiding his disappointment, Justin. No, um, the uh, Connor McDavid clip is uh, is worthwhile too. Show why don't can we run that now and hear what Connor has to say? All right, we'll wait for that for uh, for just a sec, Kipper. But all right, perfect. Let's have it. Yeah, I mean the whole thing's so disappointing. Um, you know, it's uh, it's hard to really put into words what uh, what uh, you know. I think a lot of guys are feeling. Uh, you know, especially the guys that have never gotten to go before. You know, and now we're missing it for the second time in a row. So. Um, obviously, we can't dwell on it, and we have to to hope for. You know, maybe you know they push they push the the Summer Olympics back one year. I mean, maybe um, you know that happens again this year. Obviously, it's not looking that way, but you know I think we do need to find a way to get a best on best tournament done at some point here. Um, you know, we can't go six, seven, eight years without playing best on best. So um, you know, I'd like to see maybe uh, um, you know something worked out if if the Olympics uh, obviously don't get pushed or. Um, but uh, you know, we can't dwell on it. It's upsetting. There's not really uh, much else to say other than that. Are the World Cup, would the World Cup of hockey be the same, or is there a little bit more of that cachet of the Olympics? Well, I think you want to play at the Olympics because it's, for me, it's the the, the biggest stage in sport. Um, you know, every every team does, or every sorry league and sport kind of does a little bit of a version of a World Cup. But you know, I think the Olympics is a stage that's uh, on such a global scale, and you know, I think everybody wants to to play on that stage and um, obviously the the World Cup would still be a, a, a great uh, um, second uh, option you know just to have you know we just want to see best on best you know I think that's what everyone wants so um, I certainly want to experience that so um, you know I can't uh, can't uh, say uh, you know how disappointed I am um, you know it's really it's really upsetting but um, we move on and, and we, we move forward and try to figure something else out. I got so much out of that, Justin. There's lots there. Yeah, there's so much there. And I think he just nailed it. That when the National Hockey League made that initial decision to partake in the Olympic Winter Games way back in 1998, mm-hmm. uh, it may have been their, their worst decision because you got all these guys hooked on it. Hooked. And there's not a chance that you will ever again replicate the passion and the emotion that a Canada Cup or a World Cup in 1996 in the U.S. will ever capture. Like... You know, far back, if you're listening, wherever you are, if you were fortunate enough to remember the 72 Summit Series. And then for me, that next stage was Daryl Sittler's overtime goal against Czechoslovakia at the time in 76. And, of course, the Canada Cups with Mario and Wayne in Hamilton and then 96, that Canada-USA, that Mike Richter, and I saw Mike 
at his best to win a Stanley Cup, but he took that to another level for the U.S. to win the World Cup and what that meant to to those current players. And then I go back to the World Cup in 2016, and it's like not even close. It's like it didn't even happen. You know, like, I don't know. And I, even if you were to create another World Cup, I'm sorry, but the horse is out of the barn. Connor just said it. He wants the best, and only the public wants the best at the highest level with the biggest stakes that's the, the olympics way, the only way you're wrong here is think about how old connor mcdavid was in 2010 when Sidney crosby scores the golden goal you know from iggy and we're talking you know we're talking about the most exciting goal for him probably watching hockey's kid growing up he's born in 1997 so he's 13 years old he is peak hockey influenced like that to him is obviously the Stanley Cup is a Stanley Cup but like oh my god if you want to be a part of a moment it's that one it's been so long now and could there be the generation behind Connor maybe it's not Shane Wright and Connor Bedard but could the next generation not have grown up with those same moments could we put together a World Cup that influences the next one you know, the next generation sees a World Cup that it has more competitive integrity. Third time on the show I've used that. You know, where there is all the countries and all the players, and there's a big moment, and the fans are there, and it means something to them, and they want to be a part of that. Is that possible? And uh, No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because anything that you form in any type of World Cup, again, I don't think will bring the passion and the motion that I'm talking about. And, of course, you know, when I mentioned the 72 series to, to Hamilton, you know, we include the golden goal there. Yeah. But it will be so hard to duplicate that level of intensity. And 2016, to me, was not a buy-in by the public. It was not. It was. I, I was. Not it was. In. It was seen as a cash grab. Just a hey, listen, you're the PA. We're the NHL. Let's let's make a quick forty or fifty million. We'll put a tournament together. We'll strap Check out on these cool jerseys, right? Yeah. And uh, it's just the, the, there's not that heightened feel. I'm sorry, and it'll be very hard to duplicate that. Unless, part of it, too, is the Olympic experience for those guys, being in the village with everyone, right? That's part of what they want. Well, it, it's, yes, it's just it's the whole world watching. It wasn't just NHL fans watching like our 2016 World Cup. It was just hockey fans. Yeah. They want the whole world watching, standing still. And that's what the Olympics is all about. Is Particularly just... the Winter Olympics. Now, could you could you throw ice hockey in summer games <gasps> on a normal schedule? What and take did you it just suggest. Take it away from uh shutting down your NHL season. Oh man. Are you on to something good here? I uh 
I, I just can't see the IOC ever doing it, but I love it from a hockey's perspective. Maybe you could run it concurrently. Just like a pseudo little brother to it? I I think, I don't know. I think we're just, we're we're past this is a winter sport and this is a summer sport. I I don't know. I I, I know typically that's the whole premise between the winter (laughs) games and the summer games. Yes, typically it is. (laughs) But but maybe there's an exemption. Like, where's basketball? I I forget. Is it summer or winter? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, fair. Uh, Definitely not winter. The, um... What I like about what Connor was saying, he's like, maybe it'll be postponed a year. And really, if you can't have the NHL players, you can't decide which country is the best at the hockey playing in 2020. You know, maybe we can punt it a year, the hockey portion, or it's all. Nah, I mean, we're throwing stuff at the wall here, but it's we not going to happen. I got news for you. Yeah. Until the games actually start again, we're throwing a lot <laughs> to the wall. Yeah. No, you're right. That's that's the way this is going to be. But, it, you know, one thing that stands out to me is, like, Connor McDavid, the way he expresses frustration is the most, like, I, you know, he's probably, his dog gets run over, and he's like, well, uh, obviously that wasn't ideal. I would have liked for my dog to not be dead. Um, you know, we're going to move on here, find a new dog, do our best to enjoy <laughs> the new one. You know, like, he's emotionally crushed by this. And this he just can't express it the way that Marshawn does. I don't know. Too bad. I would love to have seen it. Has anybody tested positive from the World Juniors uh, since we started the show? Yeah, probably all of Canada. No, it, what do you? Did, do you watch the early games? Just I your did. overall thought. We got Pete Labardius coming up in a few moments, but before we get to Peter, just uh, your initial thoughts of what you've seen so far. Well, the biggest thing I look for, because I don't watch junior hockey, not because of any reason other than I just don't have time to follow the NHL closely and junior hockey. So, you know, I, I know the names, but don't watch the guys a ton. So I am like many media members that I'm heavy, heavily influenced by the small sample of the world juniors. But my God, Owen Power is so good. And you, and I also love that Kent Johnson, what a player he is too, super slick, but you know, I guess the, the takeaway, Kipper, would be that if you're killing a five-on-four penalty against Canada, do not cross-check anyone in the face because that five-on-three was pretty tremendous. Uh, a lot of talent there for Canada. I heard the name Chris Pronger with, with Owen Power, but I, 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 there's no sense that he's got anywhere near the bite or the mean streak. I don't think Owen's going to step on anyone's head. On six six like, can score, but that's Pronger was that plus you know a villain. But as far as elite, yeah. When you think about controlling a game, the poise, uh, the uh, the agility, the mobility to you know move around the ice, he's got he's got that pronger feel or the mm-hmm. headman i see i see headman out of own power from what i've been able to watch so far well i'm really curious to get your take on young chris pronger because i i think of young zidane chara and obviously very different style of player but like it took this man a while to figure out how to utilize his huge body like you're gangly your limbs are big it's tough to coordinate him and there's a point in chara's career where he's doing you know spinoramas on the backside blowing off uh, defenders to your defending wingers to get to the to the net you know is it possible that it takes longer for guys to develop that are that tall, that young, 
And, and I'm asking basically, can Owen Power be as good as Hedman, as good as Pronger? Do you think it, it's possible it takes those guys more time? Not that I he think, doesn't look awesome already. I, I think if you took Owen Power and slotted him in the Buffalo Sabres lineup, he'd be their best defenseman. <laughs> do you really? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Already. Yeah. Well, he's certainly, he's got the poise. What impressed me so much on that five on three, and I focused on that because he scored twice on it, was just how much he was aggressive towards the net, impatient in a good way, finding ways to get downhill, get shots on the net, get around the net for rebounds and passes. Like, he wanted to score goals. That's a great offensive sense from a guy with that size, great shot. I mean, what a, what a first showing. Well, and he, it's the road less chosen. Uh, the fact that uh, you're the first pick overall and you bypass playing to start the season, like that's a gutsy call. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you just don't see that. And I, I assume that behind the scenes, Buffalo was just absolutely devastated not to have him in the lineup this season. You think so? Oh yeah! Come yeah. on, first pick overall, and you you don't get to showcase them. You don't get to sell any season tickets with them. You got to yeah. wait a year. And there is well, some talk. There is some talk that maybe uh, with no NHLers uh, going, that there might be an opportunity to him playing the Olympics. I mean, I love this idea. Uh, for one, when you looked at Team Canada, like the real Team Canada Olympic team, and put together the defense. You know, there was, it's not that solid. It was like, is Adam Pellick a guy? Like, you, you know, Mackenzie Weger? You know, it's Canada is lacking for D. So if you take out the NHL, all the NHL defensemen, a guy like Power certainly would be among the names who would be interesting to represent the country. Well, we'll see what happens uh, tonight. Um, also talk about uh, Shane Wright who is projected to be the first overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft. Is there, is there a perception out there, JB, that if you are spoken of as a number one pick overall, that you just, you have to produce, you have to have offensive numbers that warrant that because that doesn't seem to be the case right now with Shane Wright and what type of player potentially are you getting if you're, I don't know, say the Montreal Canadiens winning a draft lottery? God, that's fascinating to think about the Canadians. You know, it, it's it, – I can't imagine the immense amount of pressure a guy like that is under once your name starts being bandied about in those situations. And, you know, just – you talk about cookie monsters, uh, you know, in the Toronto Maple Leafs some, sometimes. How bad would you be trying to get cookies out there if you're talked about as the first overall pick? I mean, he's he's playing a different type of hockey for him. The, the amount of pressure at his young age trying to be to be that guy, you know? All right, for a deeper look, uh, we go from one familiar voice in John Shannon to Peter Labardius, Flames color man on Sportsnet 960. First of all, Peter, how, how are you? And uh, are, are you healthy? Uh, have you avoided the, uh, the health scare that obviously is going through the World Juniors right now? Uh, so far, Nick, and, and best of the holidays to both of you fine gentlemen. 
Yeah, so far so good. Um, like everybody else, it's kind of day to day. I had COVID um, last April in a pretty significant way for almost a month. So um, I'm hoping I've built a little bit of immunity. But yeah, things are good. So we've got uh, a forfeit by the USA team. Uh, anything you've heard up until uh, this moment, Peter, that you can share or what you're hearing or, you know, the potential for something like this to, to grow as we've seen in the National Hockey League? Two can go to four and six and eight pretty quick. Yeah, Nick, it really can. And, um, you know, I've talked to a couple of people today. Uh, the hope with the United States team, the best they can, is to isolate it the best they can. Um, there has not been any word, as you guys know, um, what it means in terms of their quarantine situation but you know they're not the first guys either you know there have been other positive situations since the players arrived and you know they're tested daily and yeah this this variant spreads like wildfire so it's not unlike you guys i'm i'm looking every hour by the hour we've had one forfeit already and um, I'm just very hopeful for the kids that somehow they manage their way to, to get through this thing and complete this thing. But it's when it starts to happen, it's hard to feel real, real positive about where it might go next. Yeah, no kidding. I, I guess, you know, I'm trying to get a sense for how how likely it is that this tournament gets completed now you know i understand that they're going to take intense protocols but like what do teams have for extra bodies what do you think is the likelihood they get through it well you know i I think it's a hard question right now to answer they've done the best that they possibly could they've even heightened those restrictions even more but because unlike last year when everybody you know gathered in our country were in a true bubble away from everyone that is really the only way that you know you can guarantee that now they're going to do the best they can i I don't know how to answer it i mean one of the reasons that they expanded the rosters from 22 23 to 25 was for situations just like this one but flexibility for everybody in every day and every walk of life is incredibly crucial because we don't know. And in fact, even with this event, would it surprise me depending on how things go? Could it get shut down? Sure. It could. Could the playoff format change? Sure. It could. Lots of things could change and change isn't always looked at favorably as you guys know, in this day and age of social media. Um, But we'll just see how it goes. Lou, one thing that isn't going to change is uh, half a building with no food and drink. When I think about hosting a World Junior Championship in places like Calgary and Edmonton, you think about, uh, you know, the best place in the world for this tournament. Uh, How's the public responded to all of that? And where's the energy that you've seen early in this tournament from the fans? 
it's hard, Nick. Um, you know, I had an awesome night, an awesome day with my son on opening day. We went to both games, um, Finland, Germany, and Canada in the Czechs. And, yeah, it was different. And certainly, you know, it's limited attendance. It's limited atmosphere. It's limited the feel. Um, it is different. And I guess the way the people that I have talked to and did, you know, on day one in particular was I think we were all just happy to be in the building. And in a lot of cases, you know, I had a chance to sit in the family section and talk to, you know, a few parents and a few people connected to the team. And, you know, more than anything, they were just happy to have a chance to watch the people that they're connected to play and play in person. But for the whole experience, Nick, you know what it's like. I mean, when it's in our country and it's the way it can be, it's pretty special. Make no bones about it. And so for organizers in Red Deer and Edmonton over the last two years, man alive. I mean, it's it's just like everything else. It's It's been tough, but it's a hockey tournament, and there's bigger fish to fry, but it's not been easy. It's not been the least bit easy on any of the people trying to make this thing go hour by hour. Well, then we'll try to do the the right by the people who organized it and ask you a question about actual hockey. Uh, what what yes. did you take away yes. from <laughs> what, what did you take away from Canada's opening game of the tournament? There, I know uh, you may have noticed a defenseman. I'm sure. Uh, what stood out for you from game one? Well, let's talk about Owen Power. Make no mistake yeah, about it, and, and not as much, Justin from what I saw, you know, in a pre-tournament game that I attended or game one versus the Czechs. When I watched this guy participate at the Men's World Championship and he elevated himself, you know, to being on a number one pairing at 18 years of age, averaging more than 23 minutes a game and did it with few mistakes. I just, the way he moves around his ability to skate, his offensive side of the game, and more importantly, as Nick knows better than anybody, you know, what I love about this guy is I'm not sure that heart beats very fast because I don't see a lot of panic. I see incredible composure. And the other night, it was like a man amongst boys. If he was in Buffalo, um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind he'd be playing more than 20 minutes a game right now and i will say this and it's the first time i've said it publicly let's just say in our world in the next two years we actually get to see best on best Mm -hmm. if that event is held in the year 2024 i will not be surprised considering he's a left-handed shot which canada isn't really in a huge abundance of I, I won't be surprised if he's involved in the next best-on-best best event if it's two years from now. Wow. So when Justin rolled his eyes when I said that, uh, you know, with all due respect to Rasmus uh, Dahlin, he would be Buffalo's best defenseman today. That's, that's Today. 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 Would, wouldn't be a stretch. Now, now, Nick, I will say this, as you know, between the way the game is played in college, and I'm not taking anything away from it, but, you know, he's on a brilliant team at Michigan. Um, 
and and the hardest thing to do for young defensemen is what? It's to defend elite level people. He's got he's got a ways to go, as all young guys do, and he'll have his ups and downs at the highest level as well. But his ability to skate, make plays, get himself out of trouble, his composure and just his makeup, yeah, I I, I would not be afraid to say that probably within a month of playing in the NHL in Buffalo, you could probably end up saying he might be as good a guy as they have right now. Now, Peter, and I say this as uh, not criticism of you, but criticism of Nick and I, are there any other players on Team Canada? <laughs> we, this guy has dominated our conversation. There, there is. There's a lot of them. Let's, yeah. let's talk about Mason McTavish. Okay. So it was pretty evident, Justin, um, you know, he made a huge impact, obviously, on Anaheim. They took him third in the draft, played nine games already. But here's here's the difference. You know, he was an elite player at the World Under-18 in Texas, helping Canada to a gold medal. But the difference I see now, besides just, you know, being four or five months older, is, you know, he's a guy that had to get himself into more NHL shape. He, mm-hmm. And it's added a half a step or so to his skating game. His hands are off the charts. He can shoot it through the end of the building. And the other thing about him um, that I would never make light of, he just has such a gregarious personality. His teammates love him. Um, this guy's a heck of a player. I, I And he has made huge strides for me even since the end of April early May and Cole Perfetti again you compare last year to what I'm seeing now his ability the way he sees the game reads the game makes plays you can tell that all the pro experience he's had the last couple of years at the American Hockey League which people never give enough credit to as a league itself and what it does for development um you know those two guys and and others Certainly, you know, we could talk for 16 days about this group and this tournament, and I'd probably ne- never be shy on something to share. Pete, we were talking about uh, Shane Wright. Sounds like he's going to play the wing. Uh, some issues, I guess, with uh, injuries and a suspension, uh, but maybe the pressure to kind of live up. You talk to certain scouts, and they all feel like you can't necessarily uh, lose your draft position with a bad week or 10 days in this tournament yet there is some pressure on Shane Wright to produce a little bit more. If you're going to have that perception of being a first pick mm-hmm. overall, do you, do you feel that? Do you think Shane feels that? I do. I do. Um, in fact, you know, I've, I talked to hockey Canada people over the summer and, you know, I watched the summer camp that took place in Calgary and I've really felt whether it was last year when he was trying to make the team or at that camp, I think Shane has put a lot of pressure on himself, Nick, even over and above, you know, all that goes hand in hand with the number one status. Um, It's one of the reasons that they basically put him in a group that was apart from everybody at camp and said, like, you're in, don't worry about that. Just focus on being the best, that you can be and and i really do he's so smart he's so responsible um i'm not worried about him 
does there need to be a little bit more, especially as this tournament goes along? Absolutely. But let's not forget, too, he's still only 17 years old. But I will say this, you know, if he continues to be in the spot where he is, he and his line, in some respects, might be the difference between Canada winning this event and not winning this event. You, you've, you've seen Shane Wright a lot more than me. So, uh, yep. but I will throw this out from, from what I can, from what I've seen so far. I see, I see less Nathan McKinnon and more Patrice Bergeron in him. No question. I, I see a combination, Nick, couldn't agree with you more, of kind of Ryan O'Reilly and Patrice Bergeron. He is not going to wow you. He's not going to go end to end and do those things. But for someone like yourself and Justin, who appreciate the subtleties, the positioning, um, his ability to read the game on both sides with and without the puck, um, he's a great competitor. He has unbelievable leadership qualities. Yes, that's who I see as well when I've watched Shane Wright over the last two or three years. So, Lou, I'm a, a hockey fan. There's no uh, or very little NHL hockey these days, and I, I'm looking to watch more than Canada games. Is there a team or a player, or maybe players in particular, I should be keeping an eye out and saying, all right, I need to catch this Chechia game or something? Uh, yeah, there's there's lots. Let's talk about Russia and Matt Vemichkov. We hear a lot in our country about Connor Bedard, and for good reason. Well, I think those two guys are going to be in a heck of a dogfight um, for the first overall pick in 2023. Mm-hmm. All this guy does is score. He had 12 at the under 18. He's got three already in this event. Um, you know, and this guy can score them any which way you want. So he's a guy to watch. Um, you know, an interesting team for me, guys, believe it or not, is the Slovaks. Really? In, Slavkos, in Slavkovsky, Philip Mishar, and defenseman Simon Nemich, I think they're going to have three first-round players. And last night, if you watched, they threw 48 shots up against Sweden, and it was not a joke. They have some of the best young talent in this event. This is the best group of Slovakian players, maybe dating back to their bronze medal winning group of two or of nineteen ninety nine when they had Marion Gabrick and others in Winnipeg. Um, by next year, if those young people all stay and play at this event, the Slovaks are gonna be an absolute handful and they already are. Um, yeah, there's there's so many great stories. Jake Sanderson is at a different level like Owen Power for me on defense, the Ottawa first-rounder. It's If you want to see stars of the future, there's lots of places to look. One more for you, Lou, and that is the goaltending. And maybe we can talk about uh, Canada still not decisive on who their number one goalie is. Sweden had a great effort from Jesper uh, Wallstead, who I think is a Minnesota Wild draft pick, but could have been an Edmonton Oiler pick quite easily. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Russian who went 11th overall to 
Nashville Predators and was supposed to be the, the next great one. And yet he's not the number one goalie necessarily in Askarov with the Russians. So what the heck's going on with goaltending? <laughs> well, let's start with Askarov. This is his third world junior. And Nick, I swear that this tournament is eating him up mentally. He has just not played well yet three years in a row. And there's a lot of talent and ability, but this event seems to be his kryptonite. Um, as far as Canada is concerned, I love Garand in their pre-tournament game. He was just okay. Um, you know, I think before it's all said and done, I still think Garand is going to be the guy. I feel like Wallstedt might be the best goalie in the tournament, and that's not just based on last night. It's what I've seen the last couple of years. He's incredibly technically sound. You look at what he's done in the Swedish Hockey League the last two years. It's not an easy league. Um, he might be the best guy in the event. And then a bit of a sleeper for me so far has been Drew Camesso of the United States, who's a Chicago pick. Good size, has been very good. I've felt in a couple of occasions to watch him. But, uh, yeah, that's how I would mark the goalies so far amongst some of the best groups. Some great insight, Pete. Really, really appreciate uh, you taking a few minutes off this tournament. I know it's minute to minute right now uh, out there. Uh, continue to stay safe, pal. You guys, too. He's good. He's good. Nick, you're number one. Never mind. You're the best. <laughs> Tuflaki, <laughs> chips, no Coke, yeah, yeah. Pepsi. Have a great New Year, guys. <laughs> All the best to both of you. You too. Pete Labardius on the World Juniors. Is it Pete Greek? Is, is, the, is, is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> you, you had to ask with that amazing accent. That was pretty bang on. I'll give him that. Pretty bang where you, on. Where do you meet my nephew, Achilles Kapitanakis? You guys, you, we got something in common, Nick. It's in my family. Uh, when this ends, we're going to the Danforth and we're going to eat <laughs> really well. All I right. can't wait. I can't wait. That sounds awesome. Okay, let's take a quick break, uh, and we'll come back uh, with our uh, closer on today's show. After one week off, we're just gearing up. Right, Justin? Powering the machine back on. we got to get fired up for the NHL season again. All right. Real Kipper and Bourne after the break. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. After one week off, it's like I shot Justin Bourne out of a cannon. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a pop gun. <laughs> Best. Maybe. Um, what are those cap? Remember those cap guns? Oh, yeah. Just smack those things with a hammer and said before he even got them in the gun. Oh, my God. Can you imagine seeing a kid with one of those today? Oh, uh, not a not chance. Even, not, not the environment for that anymore. Not a chance no uh, the the toys today are, are pretty safe fortunately it's a it's a different world but anyway i am i am excited to be back talking hockey i just i feel like you know those leafs players probably uh felt at the ba first bag skate today post christmas like i got some kinks to work out 
How did you feel about the first bag skate back, Kipper, and was it necessary? I always thought it was a bit excessive. I, you just knew it was coming. And it was almost as if it's time to pay the fiddler. Yeah. So, and that was like, God, we were lucky if we got two and a half days. I'm talking late 80s, early 90s. We were lucky if we if we got two and a half days door back to door. Really? That and short? you would race. You get one full day. And there's sometimes I would leave knowing that there was a, a, a late practice on the 26th of the de- uh, December. Now you got to make almost a career decision. <laughs> do I, do I catch the last flight out on Christmas Ooh, night? Yeah. Or do I catch the first flight in the morning? And what happens if it gets delayed or snowed in or rerouted and you miss that practice, you would just, it's yeah, you, you did not want to be in that predicament. But and like guys are gone for like sixty hours, and their blood alcohol content was not below point oh eight for more than eight hours of it. And all of a sudden, you're back on the on the rink. <laughs> you don't think there are teams right now, JB, that are wondering about blood alcohol content <laughs> off a of seventeen days off? Uh... Yeah, buddy, that, that hey. that's ugly. I saw the Leafs today doing their uh, their their skate, just the good old fashioned down and back, down and back, down and back. And I gotta tell you, I could feel the turkey. I felt for them. I could feel the turkey in my stomach, and you know sw- that sweat. That first hard sweat is awful. Plus it's, COVID it's, for most of them. It, it, it's actually good. You know, it's it's good to burn one of those off. It gets you right back into that mindset. Yeah, it is good because it it. Uh, it does wane. It does leave. You check it. You kind of check it at the gate, you know, for a day and a half, two days. And, and now you got to get back in that mode. Uh, but I think show, if you, if, since we've come out of break, uh, I think the National Hockey League has uh, made some more announcements. Yeah, they have. Uh, the NHL has announced, guys, that uh, they have postponed one game due to COVID-related issues and nine games Due to Canadian attendance restrictions, which is what you guys were talking about with uh, with Shani. Mm. So here here are the postponements. So tomorrow's Red Wings at Islanders game has been postponed due to COVID related issues, and then the remaining games, these next nine games, will be rescheduled for dates later in the season when uh, restrictions may be eased or lifted. So on Friday, Pittsburgh at Ottawa and Winnipeg at Calgary. On Monday, January third, Carolina at Toronto. Tuesday. January 4th, Washington at Montreal. Thursday, January 6th, Toronto at Montreal. Saturday, January 8th, Buffalo at Montreal. Seattle at Winnipeg. Monday, January 10th, Columbus at Montreal. And Minnesota at Winnipeg. Oddly, it does not include uh, Saturday's New Year's Day game between the uh, the Sens and the Leafs, although perhaps that's because it's an all-Canadian matchup. I'm not sure, but that, that was not listed here. So the rest of these games starting on uh, Monday, January 3rd onwards. Wow, thanks, Joe. Kipper, what do you think? Well, it's it's clear how much the league depends on the Canadian machine, the the money machine, because yeah. this is this is nothing more than Gary Bettman and the NHL Players Association trying to protect as much HRR hockey related 
revenue moving forward here. And I we had this conversation, but it needs to be pointed out again that players have to be nervous moving forward because they are on the hook for, for any debt that's accumulated moving forward. And, you know, we heard John saying that, you know, even even players now at 16, 17, they're, they're going to pay this forward when, uh, when it may come down to it. I, I'd be, I'd be a little nervous if I was the players about, you know, Gary Bettman, let's not forget when this whole thing got revisited for a, a CBA, he, he, he wanted to change the terms of the mm-hmm. deal and the players just shut that right down. But I, I don't doubt it for one second that if, if the numbers don't balance out JB like Gary envisioned because of this, there's going to be another knock on the door. Think so? Like asking for a bigger piece? Yes, to renegotiate the terms. Yeah, well, that wouldn't go over very well, would it? No, it won't go over very well, but there, there's there's a price to be paid for all yeah. this revenue that's being lost. Well, what do you I just, think? I just a, don't know where it's going to come from. What do you think a home revenue, like home, not just gate, but total revenue generated by a Montreal Canadiens home game is? Because they clearly are saying, so I think the Habs can't have fans till at least Jan 11th. And they've pushed back four games for Montreal entirely, which, by the way, Montreal not making playoffs is now going to have a condensed schedule purely for money, which if I'm a player, I'm like, eh. Not sure I love this, but what what per game are they saving by pushing these these games back? I I gotta think uh, a, a Toronto Montreal would be in the bar, ballpark of three to four million dollars, uh, and I don't oh okay. I don't I don't know where where food and, and beverage would fit in and all of that. Mm-hmm. But so you know we are predominantly with no fans. Yeah, and we are. I think at uh, we are out of all the. The major sports, the the one that depends on, uh, you know, ticket sales, in the grand scheme of total revenue, our percent our percentages are much higher than baseball or or basketball or football for obvious television reasons. That it's still a gate driven league. Toronto and Carolina was one of the games mentioned there that gets pushed back. Uh, until later in the season. I saw Boston-Montreal is going to be dropped right at the end of March. Actually, I think the day after the trade deadline, if I'm not mistaken, March 22nd. So if you're the Boston Bruins, like it's your schedule gets a little harder in a tough time there. I guess, I guess if it's about money in the end, but boy. <laughs> I just think, Nick, it's a little dicey when you start moving games back because of revenue and you don't know how many more games you're going to have to postpone well, and find dates for. That's that's the million dollar question right now. Is I think right now they they did gain a lot, Justin, when it came to that window that opened up for the Olympics now. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they did leave a buffer at the end of the year. So they've got some dates that they left in the schedule. It wasn't very much. Could have been 
four or five days, mm. less than a week, or maybe right around a week. But they built in a buffer just on top of everything else. So I think they're okay now, but hopefully, you know, they, they can work around less days off if you do test positive. Mm-hmm. And could you be in a position to test positive and, and still be able to come to work, i.e. skate, practice, wear a mask and, and practice, maybe wear a mask and play a game? Like you're fully vaccinated, you're asymptomatic. Wear a mask, boy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if you can do that, Kipper. I, I, I'm just throwing stuff out there yeah, right no, now. I hear, I'm, you. I'm, I hear you. I am. By by no means am I saying that this is my solution or this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I can assure you, these are conversations now the NHL and the PA are having with their doctors. Yeah. What are we going to do? You know, Elliot did tweet earlier today that there was discussions about, you know, what other sports leagues are doing in terms of shortening the isolation time after testing positive. You know, Toronto Maple Leafs are dealing with that right now where it's who's who's going to come back and how soon? You know, most of these guys were put in protocol before Christmas. Um, but with games on the very near horizon, you know, it feels like they probably won't have William Nylander. If they were to change the rules tomorrow you know, they probably would have them. So I, what, I've been, what, uh, uh, Willie went down what uh, new year, Christmas Eve. I believe so. And that takes him to the 29th, which is tomorrow. If it's five days, 30th, if it's six, you know, like it's, it's pretty make or break for a lot of the guys. Cause a huge number of players were going into the protocol right around the time, right around Christmas there. So who benefits right now? Uh, Good question. If, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let's take Jack Campbell, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, you you got to think he's feeling pretty pretty good with the break and, and the amount of his work schedule going into the Christmas break. I got to think it it benefited him. You know? Could it have gone any better for him? That awesome start with all those games, and then he gets time to rest. You know, you're looking I at mentioned... a guy who we were worried about his workload and all of a sudden he gets 17 days off. Okay, well, you're right back to being able to use him again. Peter Mrazek's groin must be pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it wasn't healed up, it sure as heck should be by now. No excuse on this one. Tampa Bay Lightning in Montreal going tonight. Braden Point expected to play in the game. Mm-hmm. Is... Is Tampa and Kucherov, who's skating but not participating in anything physical, the key here? Yeah. Well, you know, this is the the fascinating thing is there are some – we were kind of waiting for the standings to correct themselves a little bit to see Tampa Bay doing their thing again. They started to get hot. So, you know, getting a break, getting their guys back healthy and getting more games towards the end of the schedule for teams who were injured and heavily affected by COVID seem to be like the guys who will who will be the gainers. I even think of a guy like Mikheyev for the Leafs. You know, extra little bit for himself to heal up and get ready to rock again. Well, Justin, we're back after a week off and we have solved nothing. Nope, not a thing. <laughs> but that's all there is right now is questions. Very few answers. Show how do you think we did? A little rusty, eh? 
It's okay. You know what? It's a, it's just like the guys on the ice. Do you want to come back, get, get the conditioning back? You're, you're good. <laughs> well, here's the good news. We're right back at it tomorrow. Thanks for everybody being a part of it. We'll see you tomorrow.